You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Nola has over 30 years of experience in financial and operations management for companies around the world. As a part-time CFO, she's dedicated to working with businesses of all sizes to create sustainable growth and amplify strategy. Today, I'm thrilled to be chatting with Brent Lane and Brett Jones of Hey Auto. This promises to be a really fun episode. Brent Lane, with a background in new venture feasibility, had a clear vision of what Hey Auto would ultimately become. He spent over a decade honing his technical skills from design to development and everything in between. Brent is the head of product for the platform, working closely with the UI, UX and engineering team to produce a world-class, full-service automotive marketplace. Brent Jones joined the Hey Auto team in its infancy. With over a decade of automotive experience, Brett brings a wealth of knowledge to the industry. He's been focused on growing an amazing team of like-minded individuals with the ultimate goal of establishing Hey Auto as a leader in the automotive tech space in Canada. As head of business development, Brett works closely with the sales department to onboard dealers across the nation to the platform. Welcome, Brent and Brett. Thank you for joining us today. You're doing some really fun and very valuable things in your business. To start us off, can you give us a bit of background? What got you started and brought you to Hey Auto? Well, first of all, Nola, thanks for having us here today. Thanks, um, Nola. We appreciate you. You're welcome. It's a great opportunity to chat and learn about your awesome company. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, the journey, the journey to Hey Auto really started with uh, Brett and I, who are longtime business associates and, uh, you know, friends and friends in life prior to business, uh, both brought our skills from different, different worlds into our incubator model. Uh, we, one of those journeys was to, to build a really amazing automotive product that solved a lot of kind of the industry's legacy challenges uh, and do it in a way that uh, was approachable to our dealers and uh, bridge the gap for the consumer market who traditionally kind of has a bad taste in their mouth about the transactions with dealers. And we feel like, you know, the time is now to um, tackle that challenge and potentially, you know, help to help both of those parties to, uh, have a more of a comfortable purchasing experience and do it through uh, a software as a service platform such as Hey Auto. That is absolutely fascinating. So um, can you give us a bit of an understanding? What do you do with the platform? I, I believe it's a platform, but uh, what does the platform do for both parties? Yeah, well, the, the platform is at its essence uh, to the to the car buyer consumer, car seller consumer. It is a marketplace, so it's an aggregator of dealership inventory nationwide. Uh, we currently have approximately around two thousand uh, automotive dealerships uh, from coast to coast on the Hey Auto platform. Um, so it's, it's an opportunity for car car buyers to find automotives in different markets shop across province, shop locally, uh, and connect directly with those dealers to uh, talk about making a purchasing decision or help them to sell their own vehicle. Oh, that is fantastic. So you say you are Canada-wide, but as far as I know, you are located in Calgary and you're in the business of technology. 
And we all know that Calgary doesn't have a ton of programmers at the moment. So how do you deal with building the platform in Calgary? Yeah, it's an interesting challenge, that's for sure. Um, you know, when, when we kind of break up technology into a few different categories, we talk about uh, the fact that this is a web-based platform. And web-based technologies are similar to, you know, large platforms people be familiar with, like Airbnb, um, where they can kind of do their entire transaction online over the internet. Um, that those technologies are something that even even the graduates that are, that are coming out of these you know local programs are not being trained in those in those specific technologies mm. and software. So it's something we put a great deal of pride into, and we have a, an incredible in-house training program, uh, mentors, trainers on team that we really retool people. That's something that um, has enabled us to really recruit talented people and, and talented junior programmers that want to learn new web-based technologies in a new exciting uh, company here in Calgary. So that's been a, it's been one of the big reasons we've had uh, a great amount of success getting young developers to join our team. Fantastic. So you're actually developing the talent for the industry. So do you have everybody resident in Calgary then? Are they all local programmers? Yeah, most of our most of our staff is local. We do have a couple of outside uh, specialists um, working abroad, but uh, we really believe in, in growing this home, a homegrown product here in Calgary uh, that's been close to Brett and my uh, heart since we began this thing. Um, and so yeah, that's that was a big part of our journey was making sure that we could be hiring and you know supporting the local community and supporting the developers here in Alberta because that's the best way to grow this industry is by employing people and showing uh, young Calgarians that there is a market for their services here um, and not that they need to move away to to find gainful employment. Absolutely. And, and doing some fun stuff, not only a market, but a market to do some really creative, innovative and future focused um, uh, building of, of products. I personally have worked in technology in the past and I really wished I was a programmer because I have done computer programming, you know, many, many years ago. <laughs> and I really, really loved it. I do think I'm a misguided accountant, but um, <laughs> somehow I couldn't build those programs and those do those really cool things that those guys were able to do. So can you walk us through the experience a little? If are, for instance, a dealer, how do they interact with the platform and what do they do? Um, yeah, so I can touch on that. So um, when we're onboarding a dealership, uh, we uh, tend to get integrated with their IT uh, company that supplies their inventory and we get that feed directly to our platform. And then from there, we can integrate with whatever, whatever uh, lead source they use to be able to process their clientele that's coming through platform so we can tie into their other softwares and, and send those um, potential buyers right through to their other software within their dealership. So um, we have a lot of programs that talk to each other in order to do that. But onboarding a dealership, we've made very easily. It's as simple as an email at this point. We connect with one of our contracted IT providers, get their inventory, and then they're live and ready to start participating on the platform. And then from there, we connect them with um, our buyers through the platform and they hopefully transact on as many vehicles as possible. Oh, fantastic. And as a buyer, 
I assume you have a web portal that you would access. How do you go about looking for vehicles that you might like to either experience more or find out more about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the, you know, from the car buyer's experience, uh, they, one of the differentiators with our platform uh, over competitors is the fact that they can actually create their own account, you know, load their avatar, uh, favorite vehicles, create safe searches, message the dealer directly, track all of that transactional and the history of that, um, of their interactions with their dealers and, and really help to, um, you know, we have another tool where you can sell your vehicle, uh, get estimated bids um, to dealers directly, which is an exciting uh, new launch feature we put out this summer uh, mm-hmm. called My Offers. Um, so there's, it's a fully immersive experience for the car purchaser or the car seller. Um, so it's not just a direct connection way to be in contact. It's kind of, you know, taking the consumer gets to take a bit more uh, initiative in the purchasing process. Oh, that's very exciting. So is the experience to a certain extent anonymous? As the purchaser, I know sometimes it's pretty intimidating or unpleasant to troop from dealer to dealer looking at vehicles. Now, obviously, the convenience factor is there because I, as a de- as a purchaser, could have my own avatar and account and go look at various dealers from the safety of my home or the comfort of my home, shall we call it, during a pandemic. But do the dealers get to see that I have been shopping on their platform or at one sta- what stage do they see that I've been there? Um, so obviously it's uh, the, the customer's uh, information is private until they make a connection with the dealer. And that's one of two ways. They can either call them directly um, through the platform or they can uh, message them. And that message then goes into their CRM. They can choose what information they want to put about themselves, their first and last name, their first and then their either contact phone number, their email, or both. And then from the uh, My Offers program, from a selling perspective, we don't list private vehicles on our platform, but we did want to build this tool to help people sell their vehicle privately. Obviously, uh, in today's world, uh, when people are listing their private vehicle for sale, you know, there's some un, you know things that are uncomfortable about that. You know, you don't want to meet a stranger for a test drive. You don't want to be giving out your personal address. Um, what's your time worth? How many, you know, digital tire pickers do you want to be dealing with? So we wanted to solve this for dealers getting inventory as well as people selling their vehicle privately. So when they go through our My Offers program, let's say you're listing your vehicle, you snap a few photos, put in your basic detailed information about your vehicle, and then you can actually request bids anonymously through the platform from dealers in your area, as many as you'd like, right? And then it's only once you... Um, accept an offer that comes in from one of the dealers on platform that you that they then get your information. You guys can transact from there. So a little more seamless, protect your information, and you're dealing with uh, you know high rate, top rated dealers on uh, on a transaction of your private vehicle, and they're paying top dollar right now. Absolutely. I mean, that that really does sound very very attractive, both from the perspective of well, that way you get the best 
best deal or the best bid, but it's also the experience is potentially so much more pleasant because, I mean, if for argument's sake you you are trading a vehicle in, in the majority of cases, you'll only go to one or two dealers, whereas this way you can see where you can get the best deal and then only at that point do you need to move forward with the process or feel that you almost arm wrestled into agreeing to take a bid at some point. Exactly. That's exactly, it's a great point. Absolutely. Have you had comments from a variety of the individuals? Have you found any particular market sectors that have really taken to your platform? Or is it pretty much across the board that most people are really appreciating the experience? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, it's, been an, an amazing journey for, my, for us from that perspective. We ran a, a six-month feasibility study uh, before even starting to design and build this, this platform. Um, with the customer, with that millennial and younger demographic in mind, they're, you know, they're the online buyer. Uh, I think I read a statistic recently, 68% of millennials no longer even have a cable package. So they're doing a lot of their uh, engagement in a digital mobile uh, environment. Uh, so our, our Target advertising strategy is mostly based on social. Um, we, you know, we were everywhere from, you know, Google right to TikTok. So, you know, that's the type of audience that we get onto the platform. We designed it from the ground up to be kind of the, a, a platform that they're familiar with, more of that Instagram feel to car purchasing. Awesome. We thought, you know, you're already used to purchasing in that kind of sphere, people buying products direct on Instagram, buying products through other social media platforms. Why not shop for a vehicle that same way where all of the information, photos and information about the vehicle are right at your fingertips and you can scroll and swipe through um, and, and make that searching process a little more seamless. That's awesome. So now um, from that perspective, I mean, we're all becoming increasingly, shall we call it modern as we move forward, but we still appreciate our conveniences of, of modern lifestyles, our vehicles and these things. Now, are you marrying in some way the ability to purchase the vehicles efficiently and, and update yourself and buy a new vehicle, be it electric, be it whatever, as well as the environmental aspect, the ESG aspect in your platform? Yeah, I mean, we're doing a couple of really, really interesting things uh, in that regard. Uh, one, of the, one of the things we are kind of rolling out here in the fall is our um, – ZEV, which is zero emission vehicles uh, version of our platform. Awesome. Uh, it's going to be integrated within our existing platform, but something where those uh, electric conscience, conscious kind of buyers, people who are looking to purchase zero emission vehicles can filter quickly and, and have a platform where they can search for that, uh, that specific vehicle without having to filter through, you know, maybe diesel or other vehicles that they're not interested in. Mm. So uh, that's that's one way we're really seeing uh, a change in the market and something we're really uh, proud and, and um, eager to launch. Uh, the other the other is our um, trees campaign. Yeah. Which I'd be happy for Brett to talk about a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the mandate by the Canadian government is by 2035, we're 100% ZEV. Uh, hopefully that's achievable. I mean, uh, the manufacturers are on board and doing what they can, and 
but until we are, what can we do to give back? I mean, we're noticing that a uh, huge, uh, again, a huge amount of our users are that, you know, sub 35 kind of ca- category, socially conscious, we want to make a difference um, with their purchasing experience. So uh, we're launching our Keys for Trees campaign, um, which means that, you know, when you're shopping on, a, on Hey Auto and you're connecting with dealers, um, there's going to be numerous ways um, for you to be able to plant trees uh, in a province of your choice um, um, by engaging with the platform. It's almost like a, a gamification of the platform that allows you to uh, build on your account and do different things to uh, to give back. So um, we're excited about that. We've connected with a bunch of our dealers here, um, talking to them in Western Canada specifically right now. And, and everyone agrees that's a great way to kind of give back until we get there. Uh, so we have goals in mind of how many trees we want to be able to plant here in the next five years. And, and we believe that by giving the consumers on platform the ability to engage with that, uh, we're going to be able to make a difference on our end. So um, it's, until we're 100% ZEV, we're going we're gonna to give back on the Hay Auto side. Oh, that's absolutely. I mean, that's the the best of both worlds for the moment because we know we can't instantaneously switch off our higher emission carbon vehicles. But um, if we can blend the two worlds and progressively move closer to to ZED, it's it's pretty awesome. I must admit, I'm not even a millennial and I appreciate Ah. the fact that you're working in that world. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's some great uh, incentives already by the federal government and provincial governments to, you know, incentivize buyers. Um, So we feel, you know, with our type of uh, millennial buyer on our platform, um, we have an opportunity to kind of give back as well. So we're looking forward to, uh, to rolling that out. Absolutely. Now, looking at the the business aspect of building this platform, um, growing a tech company, obviously, it takes money. You need a bunch of programmers, as we've already alluded to. How do you fund the growth? Do you have some really great partners and funding platforms or are you constantly like the majority of entrepreneurial companies are you in a phase of raising funding periodically to fund the company yeah i mean i think it's a uh, it's, it's a question definitely worth asking I, it's it's something where we're always looking to um continually raise uh, at different levels of our company's success um traditionally you know we've had a lot of success raising money here locally, which is you know one of the great things about being in Alberta. People are progressive, and they are um, you know there is a lot of entrepreneurial um, advocacy here, and lots of uh, people are interested in investing in technology here in Alberta. So uh, we've had a great deal of, of investment and a great deal of success raising those funds in Alberta, um, and we're branching out from there. Um, we are in the process of raising a another larger round, another seed round for our company based on the current success we're having. Um, and it's going well. Uh, we're, you know, branching out to other provinces and looking at uh, other areas to raise those funds, but we're always actively engaging with strategic investors. Um, you know, part of the, part of the journey of a, of a web-based technology uh, company is to um, not only have that capital to grow, uh, but also to find those strategic partners that want to invest to accelerate your success. Yes. So we raise, we raise money for both reasons and we are actively engaged in a, in a round right now. So 
um, yeah, that is uh, that is something that we that we do and are always actively doing. Yeah, so timely question. So it you've is. actually accomplished quite a lot with the platform already. Um, do you have any particular plans for the future that you can talk about yet? Well, I mean, yeah, I think we can talk about lots. So we, you know, we're kind of an open book that way. The plat- the platform speaks for itself. It's it's re- building a marketplace so- uh, software solution is really really challenging. I mean, to toot our own horns a little bit there, but it's mm-hmm. one of <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. challenging. Yeah, it is a challenging thing. It's uh, so when you have that kind of success, you, you we look at it like you kind of have the keys to the castle a little bit. You start to have uh, you know all of the other widgets in the industry want to connect into your database. They want to connect with your customer. They want to integrate that way. So there's some, there are plans to have a few more integrations built into the platform. That's one of the plans for the future. Um, We are going to be offering a digital retailing experience for, uh, for our dealer partners uh, where they can in an a la carte fashion, um, basically be able to stay competitive with the full digital retailing models out there in the market. So, we are a we are a dealer first platform. So any tools we can build that help our dealers to be more successful, um, while providing a superior customer purchasing or selling experience, is really something we're excited to to entertain. Absolutely, that does sound exciting. Now, from the perspective of technology, of course, we live in a world where there's just so much cyber crime and 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 challenges shall we call them from the perspective of people getting in where they shouldn't or or accessing things that they shouldn't do you handle that aspect of the platform yourselves or is that among the partnerships and and participations that you have yeah so when it comes to people's information um there are generally we partner in for those uh for Mm you know, for obvious security reasons. Yes. Um, when it comes to transactional financial information, we have third-party software that, that handles all of that compliance and privacy, um, comes back to us in a discrete tokenized fashion uh, where we know either they purchased or they didn't. So, yeah, that's a big part of the, the conversation is, you know, do you store any of that information locally? We do not, um, okay. you know, and that's for obvious security reasons. So we have a very... We put a great deal of pride into the fact that our platform is rock solid. Uh, it is something that is secure and, and and completely functional, and it would be capable of handling that. But just for the extra layer of security, we we hand that off to third party softwares. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've got some phenomenal software developments over the last couple of years. If one thinks of all the the blockchain technology and and some of the ways of partitioning data and keeping and maintaining confidentiality as well as security. I mean, as as fast as they manage to penetrate our systems, we are also coming up with really, really exciting improvements along the way. So, you know, it it makes sense for you to take advantage of some of those, you know, why would you try and do everything internally when you can get others working in parallel to to do some of these these developments themselves? Um, Now, 
you must have, I mean, it sounds like you've accomplished such a lot already in this platform. You must have had tremendous challenges along the way. Have you had particular techniques or secrets for over, overcoming those challenges as they've presented themselves? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, I can touch on the, on the first part. I mean, You've probably got lots, quite yeah, honestly. You could I mean, probably both was, speak to it. It was, <laughs> a, it was a total breeze. No, <laughs> um, you know, um, I mean, t- challenges initially, again, when you're building a marketplace, it's, it's Brent always has this conversation, a chicken before the egg kind of conversation, mm. right? Do you, do you go get the customers? Do you go get the vendors? What does that look like? So, I mean, yes, it was challenging. We were very... Uh, fortunate in our approach like you mentioned earlier we were very uh um we we took a a, a, i guess what's the word i'm looking for we were strategic in our our approach to acquiring our dealers um you know we weren't loud we weren't screaming from the mountaintops we we presented our offering and went across canada with it and we were able to achieve two thousand dealerships in 10 months which is awesome yeah which is absolutely incredible. So, I mean, some of the challenges were um, on my side from the sales and development were, you know, getting the decision makers on the phone um, is very difficult when you're, when you're selling technology in, in automotive mm. space, obviously with, um, you know, the unfortunate um, situation with COVID-19, uh, it actually made dealers, you know, for that year, year and a half, it, it made them a little bit, paid a little bit closer attention to what was available in the digital space. So having those conversations were a lot easier um, and and getting them, you know, having the opportunity to be able to show them the platform um, was was right there for us. So we took advantage of that and went hard at that. Uh, but there was definitely some challenges along the way. Oh, yeah, from a from a product building standpoint, I mean, we deal, that's, that's the number, that's the name in the game, right? The name of the game is like when you're building software, it's like if you're, you know, you're always solving challenges. Like that's what makes you great at what you do is, is looking at a existing problem, looking at all the different ways you could potentially solve it, making sure that, that the business logic is there, that it actually solves the, the use case of the customer uh, and that you have the technology to back it up in a, in a great way. So that's something we, we work through daily is, you know, and over the past 18 months uh, of building this platform, we've probably had a thousand of those unique uh, challenges that we've overcome. Um, some are more complex than others. Some require brand new technology to be to be designed or built. Others are things that you can uh, you know use something that was existing and retool it for your own purposes. So um, having having those incredibly talented team, uh, we take a lot of pride in that and that the fact that we can uh, sit around the round table and talk about the challenge, talk about the ways we think we're going to solve it, and then just go out and implement that is something uh, we're quite proud of. Pretty awesome. So how, when you're building such cool things, how do you avoid chasing squirrels? <laughs> sometimes you do. Sometimes, sometimes, you chase sometimes you do. Just hope they're fast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, we, we focus in. We have a, we have a roadmap. Uh, we have a roadmap of major, major milestones we need to achieve uh, to solve these problems. This is part of why we do. We, I advocate so heavily for for feasibility before you ever start building something. Uh, understanding what you're trying to achieve in the end um, is, I think, one of the major challenges and one of the reasons why a lot of companies, not just technology companies, fail um, is the fact that they don't like identify the actual needs of their customer mm-hmm. um, ahead of time. So we really 
drill down on what is most important and stay focused on building those tools and don't get, as you put it, uh, distracted chasing squirrels. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah. But the squirrels are so much fun. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, they go all over. You may as well follow yeah, the can, squirrel. Yeah, or a torment, depending on the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As they say, that's that's one of your secrets to to success, as well as one of the ways you manage your cash, because it's amazing how you can burn through cash if you're chasing squirrels. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I mean, so many, so many companies, you know, get, you know, a little bit of feedback here and there, and then they start, you know, building, building tons of product for edge case scenarios um, that may not really actually exist. Um, and that's that's an, another way that uh, I think a lot of technology companies get distracted is, is you know not having a large amount of feedback and, and yes you know we use the word in the business too much sometimes people are like oh you pivot you pivot well, sometimes you know you need to be careful if you even need to pivot um, yes. is it is it really that important we we only pivot if uh, if there's enough justification to do so and that is something we you know we are. We're really good at uh, using funds appropriately to grow the key product that are the bulk of our customers need and want. Never pivot for the late though. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic discipline. That's awesome. So overall, what did the pandemic do to you? Was a benefit or was it detrimental or a bit of both? Well, sad, sadly enough, it was, it was, it was beneficial. Um, mm. I mean, it's it's a it's a tragedy. So the growth in technology yeah. need is probably a big part of what you were seeing. Yeah, exactly. It's tough to it's tough to celebrate something that's been so uh, so tragic. But yeah. uh, from a from a company perspective, it's been it's been great. I mean, mm. we uh, as Brett as Brett put it, a, a door opened and we walked through it. Um, yeah. The the dealers were were. Advocate not just not just ex- like not just interested but excited for a new opportunity. Um, so that was that allowed us to acquire that massive amount of dealers in such a short period of time. Um, and they're and they're interested in the offering. They're interested in in finding new ways to stay competitive. So yeah, the uh, the pandemic was uh, you know created its own challenges from a corporate oh, yeah. perspective, mm-hmm. personal perspective. But for our for our business, um, it ended up being a uh, the catalyst for our success. Yeah, well, makes sense. I mean, to a certain extent, perhaps fortuitous that you had been going this direction already and, and you were poised to take advantage. You'd done some of the research. You'd started some of the, the you know, a large part of the work. So it was an opportunity. And building software you don't have to have all the people in one building so you could still probably continue the work at a distance but um, the market demand was also there to take advantage of the the platform that that you were building so you know I've actually spoken with with a couple of people who were fortunate enough to be in a position if you'd been earlier into your development perhaps you wouldn't have had that opportunity so it's yeah. uh, it's great that that you could actually carry on moving forward so do are there 
there um, trends that you see that would probably impact the company and industry over the next three to five years? Because obviously, I mean, this past two years have been have seen quite a radical shift in your industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting things happening in the automotive industry right now. It's a very exciting industry overall. I mean, I, again, I, I saw a statistic recently. It's the most, it was the most invested in industry in Q2 of 2021. Being um, in Alberta, maybe we don't see as much in the automotive industry, but, but nationally and uh, North America, uh, it was, it's a very active market right now. Um, yeah, so like the, cha- the the trends in the industry, some of the exciting stuff that's going on, uh, you, you're seeing OEMs or original equipment manufacturers such as Ford Canada um, making a push and making a transition to go direct to consumer uh, off of their own brand for the new vehicle. Um, it creates some interesting challenges. That's not a, you know, this is not a, I don't want to speak for any of that, for Ford Canada, they... Uh, They've got their own plans for how they're going to work. Yeah. They're looking to, you know, they're still obviously have a great dealer network and they're going to be pushing inventory through those, through that existing model. But there is, I do see a trend towards that um, in the automotive game. So new vehicle purchasing will be a lot more direct through the OEMs um, and there'll be more of an emphasis put on service and used from the existing um, dealer network. Uh, so, Again, an opportunity for us as a as a marketplace platform is to continue to, you know, help those yes. brick and mortar size style dealership businesses stay competitive uh, when they're maybe not pushing as much volume in the new market um, through their through their business. So that's just one of the changes that we're seeing in the automotive. Uh, I think the second major one that everyone's talking about right now is the is the digital retailing. Mm-hmm. Um, so your your Carvana uh, companies of of the nation and of North America that are giving consumers an opportunity to purchase directly from the comfort of their own home and have the car delivered on a flatbed and you know, check it out. Um, it's a much longer conversation basically, but I mean, it has, it has a number of challenges, but those, those two realms of um, OEMs going direct and then obviously used uh, direct retailing uh, and dropped off at your door and kind of skipped the dealer. Uh, both those models have are, are worthy of a conversation. So um, we are here to give the dealers uh, a competitive product for the, to compete with those two um, changes in the market. Absolutely. And try and help them preserve their margins because the margins are really, really hard in the, in the vehicle industry. You know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, for, for many dealers, I mean, I think the consumers have an idea of how profitable it is. And for many dealers, it's, uh, it's a little bit tighter than they'd like it to be. So, I mean, we all have to be, uh, you know, again, our, our job is to create a superior purchasing experience for the retail car buyer, but also have a, um, you know, a priced, com- uh, competitively priced marketing alternative for our dealer partners. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty exciting. And I mean, I must admit, fantastic to, to be facilitating that process, almost playing the, the middle person in, in that role. Are there uh, things that worry and excite you about the future of the industry, even our province or country as we move forward into the, into the future here? I mean, we've, 
cannot deny that a lot has been shaken up pretty radically by just general changes that have been happening with demographics and things, but also the pandemic has had an enormous impact. So are there things that that jump to mind as as worry and excite you in the future? Oh, wow, you're going right up my alley now. <laughs> want to talk about the future? I can talk for days. Good. Um, Carry on. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, one of the, I think one of the, the, the highlights of all this is that we don't, no one really knows how one thing's going to affect the other. Things move really rapidly now. And, uh, you know, you try to, you try to peg what you think that that's going to look like. And it turns out not the case. I mean, people thought the auto manufacturers thought, uh, you know, the, the pandemic was going to cause things to slow um, when it in fact accelerated the purchasing because people were like, I need a vehicle now because I don't want to ride public transit or I don't want to or I want to travel, uh, local travel tourism picked up and people wanted to, you know, you see, you see the uh, rise in RV sales due to the fact that people are no longer traveling, but they still want a vacation just locally. Um, so a lot of this stuff was like, uh-oh, who predicted that? Like who, you know, maybe we should have, but hindsight is, is as they say, you know, it's 2020. So um I, I don't know. The future is an exciting time. There's a, there's a case to be made that, you know, in a distant future, um, people won't even own vehicles. You know, yeah. you'll, you could be leasing directly off the manufacturer on a, an a la carte and have it, pick it picked up at your door. Um, you know, so, you know, that's 20, 30 years away probably. But, uh, you know, that's a, there's a lot of pretty exciting conversations going on. And I think that's the reason why um, automotive marketplaces are in such hot demand. I mean, you see the, you see the valuations and the purchases getting made across the globe. You know, four billion dollar Mexican automotive marketplace uh, the other day. You know, another one point seven yesterday. Yeah, one point seven in India the other day. Two point four billion in the Philippines. So, um, you know, dozens in the U.S. So part of that is because it is, you know, as we put it, maybe it's uh, not exactly on point, but it's kind of like the space race of automotive is trying to. Everyone's trying to aggregate that customer and find their own foothold so that, you know, as things change, they have a way to market their product uh, direct to the consumer or get into that consumer's uh, line of sight. Uh, and marketplaces are that Alamo for the dealer model, right? So there's a, there's a great deal of energy and uh, enthusiasm right now for that, for the automotive technology space. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see where all this all goes. I mean, I even think of some of the new residential areas where the condo buildings were building without parking for the spaces because they were believing that the newer generations wanted to cycle and didn't want a vehicle. And I understand that a few of them are rethinking their designs Mm -hmm. where they're early enough in the process because things are very uncertain at the moment. Who does know where we're actually going to land up going? It's almost looking like the markets are are fractionated into some different areas. Really, really. We talk about that a lot. And I mean, you talk about the autonomous vehicle market, right? And, and I mean, yeah. this is, again, we know the size of the automotive space, you know, the trillion, the multi-trillion dollar North American automotive space. Um, but, you know, you look further and you think, okay, autonomous vehicles, it adds a whole nother downstream business model 
Um, you're going to have people getting picked up in autonomous vehicles with advertising in the vehicle, screens in the vehicle, mm-hmm. um, a whole nother revenue stream that's part that doesn't exist right now. Uh, and that's an untapped market that people that are looking at automotive are thinking, hmm, you know, there's all these everything from luxury seats that lie, lay back that you can sleep in right yep. through to, you know, the, the screens with the, the advertising revenue for people that want to watch movies on their commute to work. Um, so it's a very, you know, there's a lot more to it than just how to get from A to B, uh, which is a kind of our traditional model. Is this comfortable? Does it go a certain speed? Do I, you know, does it help me to park my car? Um, you know, these are problems in the future that may not be, things we even think about. Yeah, no, so true. And I mean, if we think in our lifetimes, just some of the things that have changed that um, before that that item was invented or that concept arose, none of us ever even thought of needing that thing. And hence, and yet nowadays we can't live without it. It is part of our life and we would not want to go backwards to to not have that modern convenience or that that simplicity of doing something so it really is pretty exciting and I must admit I I hope I live long enough to see some of these things that will happen because I'm you know as they say we've got to stay looking youthful and and survive long enough to see the exciting times in the future exactly (laughs) live forever invest in technology so true. So do you have any thoughts that you'd like to leave listeners with? Anything that we perhaps haven't raised today? Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, we live and breathe this every day, Mila, Um, So we're obsessed with what we do. And, and, and when we come up for air and get a chance to talk about it, it really kind of reinvigorates us because it is quite exciting what's happening in the space. And, and with this incredible team that we do have and the ability and capabilities that they have, um, we can continue to build incredible uh, tools and features on our platform to, mm-hmm. to help the car buyer and the dealer transact. And that's uh, what we're about. So um, it's a pleasure talking to you about it. I mean, great questions for us. And, and we, we're, happy to, we're happy to talk about it as much as you want, whenever you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's something we love. I mean, I would, I would guess I would leave it with more of a, a high level about the about the industry and about technology and about Alberta and, and entrepreneurialism in general. Um, something I'm passionate about. I mean, first and foremost, for those out there that are listening and have either have children going to school or are currently looking at uh, a future and you know looking for a career path. I mean, the the software development uh, space is constantly evolving, and you know. If you basically, if you think you would have the competency to do it, you should try, right? It's the it's the kind of the wave of the future, and it's not all of it as is potentially as daunting as it may seem, right? So I would just encourage anyone to to explore that opportunity, and uh, to the entrepreneurs out there in Alberta and, and abroad that are looking to get into this space, um, and you just would encourage them to do so and take advantage of the um, the resources that are out there and, and surround yourself with a great team of, um, you know, talent, talent and believers and people that can, can help you to get to your goal and, and get going and, and dip your, 
dip your toe in the water and, and see if yeah, it's for you, right? Pretty oh, exciting. I, I mean, if nothing else, we are slowly but surely starting to diversify our economy. And, you know, the, the future's wide open. So let's see what we can make of it. And in the process, I personally would like to see more of our entrepreneurial ideas coming to the fore and people doing the right things, getting the help they need when they need it so that we actually survive with all of these brilliant ideas and are able to build on them because the more the better quite honestly and from what I've seen I do think our entrepreneurial space is very much helping each other along the road to ensure they survive so it's it's truly exciting it, it really is you know and I hope we have a very different future ahead of us. Absolutely, yeah. Alberta, Alberta is a uh, is a great place to uh, be building a company, and and I really look forward to the future of that merger between our existing uh, enterprises here and and the web based technology space, where we kind of have a you know multi pronged approach uh, to to the industry. So. Pretty awesome. So, if listeners want to contact you to learn more about the technologies, the company, even get involved in the funding. How do they do that? Well, we have a, you know, you can get a, get in touch with us anytime uh, on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, we have our LinkedIn profiles there, vividtheory.com on our About Us page. You can contact us directly through there. Um, our 1-800 numbers are listed and we can, you know, get, get in touch that way. We also, they can also email Brett or myself, uh, it's Brent at vividtheory.com or Brett at vividtheory.com. Uh, I, I know there's a joke in there somewhere, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, those are our direct emails and we're just, we're just open to conversation. I mean, it's, it's, we can you know, take your we, pick. And I mean, if you get the wrong name, I get you, you both available to reply. So that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's anything we can help with or advice we can give, or if anybody is interested in investing in this current round, uh, we're happy to have those conversations. So. That's pretty awesome. And I will link it up on the show notes page as well so that people can get hold of you fairly easily because it's it's a phenomenally exciting opportunity and amazing space to get involved in and just learn so much more and see where the future can take us. So thank you very much for joining me today and for educating us a little bit more about this exciting platform that you are building and all the exciting things that you're actually doing for the industry. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you, Noah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Noah, for putting us on here. And we really appreciate uh, all your amazing questions. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients translate their operating and accounting data into the strategy for business growth they're truly capable of. Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify to hear from other companies that have overcome growth challenges. Get a free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing and download the financial growth scorecard at proteaconsulting.ca. Work with us to achieve your business potential. To find out if we're a fit for your business, email info at 
proteaconsulting.ca and follow the Unlocking Business Growth podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook.